0: the world to the counterfeit quarter water pocket lint. obstacles to profit make a and switch his countenance beggar flip to monstrous doubt from unbelievers strongest faith on moving mountains with clouds above unsettled dust arouse the ghosts in exodus inadvertent conjuring the ground awoke to self-destruct onward to oblivion a march of poison animus man confronting self you've not the courage nor the stamina abandoned ship I ante up he plunged the depths from giving room dove from off the high board to a shark infested swimming pool signatures and dotted lines bloodlust over principle wouldn't waste the ink, but I'ma show you what this pen'll do Sword of truth forever sharp, hostile in assemblage Love to point some fingers like you haven't lost appendages Carpal tunnel grip, I broken arms and cloak the evidence While pondering the future, having not foregone apprenticeship Metalsmith, smitten by the hammer, chose to forge the blade Watchful of the temperature and how it would distort the shape Adams fit to shudder and convulse over an open flame Generations forward, brick and mortars full of golden chains Profit and economy, pockets swollen from presidents Pedal grit hustle then and now broken testament tunnel vision dimming as a lies enforced in rhetoric coping mechanism for a life conform to prejudice who could ever hurt you once you hate the person you become an opportunity is turned to someone quicker to respond no one ever said it would be comfortable for you and
1: yours when it comes to business better back it up and scoot along hunger made them less than civil scoffing at the gluttonous paper thin provisions but allowed to call it sustenance nibble on forbidden fruit and cardigans and button-ups copious consumption when you hardly
0: Stomach governance. Broken bread with blessed coven squad composed of heretics. Lucid shamans, wandering spirits, and sober derelicts. Body, blood, and bullet ill advised to be so desperate. Fear of missing out like you about this war and pestilence. Chef from a haunted kitchen, summon of the dinner bell. Glad to be of service if you want specific personnel.
1: Farner table offerings,
0: assembly and Zinfandel Underpaid and overworked to demonstrate we live in hell. Above it, here below it's levels to the drudgery. Callus from ceramics, napkins enveloping cutlery. Cursing under breath of special guests and their company Never worked a shift where you were not impaired
2: and stumbling Self-medicate when feeling minuscule and try to fill the void with
0: other broken individuals Estimates for disrepair, no specialist to take it to Please don't shoot the messenger, I'm sorry I don't make the rules
1: Well thanks for tuning in to the 8160 this week here on 90.9 The Bridge Uh, This is the second part in a five-part series As we celebrate every July on the show, a special series of shows. And uh, this July, we're doing a deep dive in with four different Kansas City musicians, Kansas City area musicians, and talking to them about the concerts that changed their life. And you know, during COVID, all of us are missing live music, wanting live music, craving live music, and uh, some of us waxing nostalgic about live music. As that's what we're gonna do today with our special guest, Joining us from Topeka, Marty Hilliard. Uh, He's currently in a project called Ebony Tusks. And if I had to make a list, I would hate to make a list, but if I had to make a list of top 10 acts to pay attention to from Kansas City area, Ebony Tusks would be on that list. Recently, recently, uh, if you're familiar with Bob Boylan and Tiny Desk Concerts, they host an annual contest to find their next winner of the Tiny Desk Concerts. Ebony Tusk put together a video that I knew when I saw it from the very first second was going to get recognized because like everything they do, they do it differently. Uh, they did a song, uh, they did a video for their song HDF, which we'll ask Marty in a minute what that stands for. Previously Marty was in a project called cowboy Indian bear, which had a reunion show this past year, which made me cry. And, uh, it was such a fabulous show. And a great opportunity to see a great Lawrence band uh, all together again, playing at a very, very full, hot, and sweaty bottleneck, along with our good friends in Hembry. And uh, this segment on the show last week featured Amy Farron. This week, of course, with Marty. Next week, I believe we're going to have Isaac Flynn of Hembry, And then we'll round out July with uh, Addie Sartino of the Greeting Committee and the first week of August, I'll throw my two cents in. But all that leading up to an introduction, as I stare at him in a Zoom call, me in my uh, nook in my dining room, and him in his, uh, are you in your dining room? That's correct. In your dining room in Topeka. But I'm really excited to sit down with with Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusks today. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks for jumping on a Zoom call. But when I was developing the idea for this series of the Concerts That change Your Life, you Marty Hilliard came across my in my notes because I I appreciate your music so much and your perspective on things and how you're aligning yourself just as an amazing human and I thought it'd be fun conversation and it's terrible that I've never had you on my show before back when Cowboy Indian Bear reunited the uh, your other four bandmates came on but I believe you were wrapped up that night uh in Topeka on a project so I'm excited to have you here with us and our five part series and excited to dive in and hear about the five or so concerts that changed your life. (laughs) And a few of these, there's some crossover from these acts. I was at a few of these shows and that always makes it an interesting conversation, but also interesting is I don't even know one of your bands. Uh, I have have no idea who the downtown boys are. And I love this this given us to play. So, we're going to let you kind of guide this ship and um, what we're going to do with Marty is he's going to talk about his favorite sh- uh, concerts that have changed his life. And he's also picked out songs to play from each one of these acts and we'll do that and just have a nice long zoom conversation this week here on the eight on 90.9, the bridge. Well, first off, what's HDF stand for from that song we played to kick off the show. HDF stands for high dive freestyle and really what had happened was on,
3: on the tail end of 2018, as we were wrapping up, mixing, mastering our forthcoming album for High Dive Records and Intelligent Sound, We just uh, there was just one more song that we needed, one more non-album single that I thought would be a nice contrast to the material on the album, but then also give us like a good first step in, in, into the world. And so January 2019, we tracked it over at Um, Lawrence Public Library, Um, our engineer, Joy Vallier with the assistance of uh, Joel Bonner of Serene Fiend, and then got a chance to connect with John Ulazian on shooting a video October of 2019 here in Topeka. I just think the significance of the name, I mean, it's it's definitely like a callback to our hip-hop roots in the sense that so many hip-hop artists, so many rap artists these days, you know, put together songs that you know some people would consider freestyles or lucy's or or singles, and I thought if there was any sort of like mission statement you know to really you know put our put our stamp on who we are and like you know like it just in the broadest sense possible, that that would be the song so grateful for everybody who put their hands to it and brought it to life for us, especially John and um, everybody else who assisted on
1: the video John's a great filmmaker and he's also a musician he's an in- Projects like Shadow Rabbits he used to be in Antennas Up. I think he also might be in the Magnetics, and he's done so many great videos for people like you. And also uh, Eric Davis, he did a couple of really great videos for him recently. Of uh, also the band Hembry, uh under the name Palo Zalo. I do yeah. like you're wearing a listener t-shirt for everyone that's uh, listening at home. With just this past week, you also released a music video for one of your songs that came out a couple years ago called Chuck D's, and Mm-hmm. Because of the timing of the release and the content, it almost felt like a live video. The fireworks part being uh, as this country celebrating something with all the fireworks. In my neighborhood, they're still being celebrated uh, as of last night at about 1130. Of course. The motivation for that video.
3: Well, uh, it was it was a similar thing. I mean, that was the, the, the first opportunity that we had to work with John Lazian uh, last summer. Um, this would have been around June 29th or June 30th, 2019. Really, uh, in addition to that, we uh, created some other shorts uh, with Austin Glasgow of Intelligence Sound, put together some some animation for us that um, we'll be excited to, to put out later this year. Really, um, I think what I wanted to attempt was, you know, not, not only videos and animations that were a little more cost effective, but I think uh, created like a series of glimpses into the world that we aim to create in the album. That we put together. I think from a lyrical standpoint it's really it's really easy for me to be in my head about it like and to have all of these visions fully realized but you know sometimes it you know there's a bit of a disconnect for anybody listening and so I, I just wanted to make sure that we put together images that in my mind paired well with the, the universe I was trying to create with the lyrics uh, just to give everybody just like another another angle on it. And that, and that's really what it was, you know, I mean, just like a summer in Topeka. I mean, summer is one of my favorite seasons. Everything's in full bloom, all the trees come back. And then also just the central Topeka element. I mean, so much of the stories that I've written about on the album uh, are representative of, of people and places and characters that uh, I've shared experiences with. And so, uh, you know, I appreciate like being so generous um, with his time and assuming one of those roles. And I don't know, it was, it, yeah, again, I think it was just more just uh, giving another, giving people another, another way into the world
1: that, uh, that we created. Well, to get closer to the theory, uh, the theme of this series, the concerts that change your life, uh, you sent me five or six and then several honorable mentions and we'll see how time goes. But to kick off yeah. your list in order, the first one you sent me, what concert was it that the first concert you changed your life here?
3: Yeah, it's gonna be February 4th, 2003, seeing Coldplay and Ron Smith at Memorial Hall. Uh, it was on the uh, Rush of Blood to the head tour. I had spent a lot of time uh, listening to that album. I, I distinctly remember actually going on a folk tour to arkansas with some friends of mine to play a couple folk shows and we only have one copy of the cd between two cars and so every time we would stop we would pass it back and forth and and one thing you know in creating my list and even some of the honorable mentions you know i i really want people to uh i hope that people can appreciate you know the earnestness with which i put this list together i think it's really easy to talk um, about obscure events and, and shows that maybe nobody saw and got hundreds of those. But in terms of, in terms of, you know, true, honest impact and what I still listen to today and what I still value, that's definitely up there. That was such a great moment. It was electric.
1: The energy in the room, you know, it was also new. Russia Blood, I think, came out in 2002. So yeah. The music was still pretty new to the people and it was their first time playing in Kansas City. But it was a fabulous show. And any standouts? Do you remember anything particular? I know you picked a song for us, but...
3: Yeah, I think, well, as far as my personal story, my girlfriend and I at the time, we were both pretty big fans. So, you know, we traveled from Topeka to the show. The weather wasn't favorable, as you can expect. Right. Wintertime in yeah. Northeast Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. You know, making that trip to KCK, you know, was already kind of treacherous. But then by the time that we got there, um, like I was in like full, like full songwriting mode. So like my... Plan was to bring like ten copies of an album that I had put together under the name of Sister Maria. Friends of mine would would know what that is when they hear it. But when we got to the entrance and I had the stack of CDs, uh, the, the personnel at the door they explained to me that I wouldn't be able to bring them in. So, uh, and we had parked pretty far away, so I had to walk back to the car, um, put them back in the car, come back. And what made it extra tough is that um, because I hadn't been to a lot of big concerts, I didn't really know how to find our seats. Oh. So, so I I convinced uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, you know, like, let's just sit, let's just sit here. <laughs> so, so we sat on the back row of like the middle deck um, and uh, they started their set with Politic, um, which is incredible, still an incredible song. And the folks whose seats, they, they were came and so one of the ushers, you know, asked, asked us to get out of the seats and I burst into <laughs> tears because I was so excited to see the show. And I, and I had made such like a grave mistake. Like, you know, now I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes of their set, like trying to find where our actual seats are. And uh, so, so I remember that pretty vividly. And then also uh, just, uh, remembering the Canadian singer songwriter for a moment, Ron Sexsmith. I mean, he uh, had a set, had a really great live band at the time, still puts out music. I mean, every two, three years, puts out tons of great albums. I haven't caught up with him for a long time, but I, you know, I know he's still active and uh, I was just deeply impressed I think at that point with uh, just some of his sto- storytelling and like the warble, the natural warble in his voice mm-hmm. um, as he sang. And yeah, so there was, there was a lot special about that night. Yeah, Politic was just uh, such a banger. And I mean, you know, in, in, a, in a catalog full of bangers at this point in time, right? But like, I don't know, it's like, like if you want to open up an album, like with a one-two punch of Paul chicken in my place, like that's uh, about as good as it gets.
1: Well, this is the A160 here on 90.9 The Bridge, and we're doing a special series all July, talking to different musicians about the concerts that changed their life. And Marty Hilliard of the project Ebony Tusks joining us via Zoom call from Topeka. His first pick is Coldplay from February 4th, 2003, And he's picked out the song for us called Warning Sign. Here it is.
2: I missed the good part Then I realized I started looking And the bubble burst I started looking For excuses Come on In I've gotta Tell you what a state i I've gotta tell you in my loudest tones that I started looking for a warning sign when the truth is. I miss you.
4: Yeah, the truth is
2: that I miss. Yes, cry
1: Was music from Coldplay. The song was called Warning Sign, one of Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusk's picks for one of the concerts that changed his life. Thanks for hanging out with us this week, Marty. Thank you. Up next next on your list, uh, concert number two. I was also at this concert. Tell us your pick.
3: So it's a song by the Applesquee cast uh, from uh, their 2001 album, Low Level Act. Owl Volume 1, a song called Steps and Numbers, right in the middle of, of their album sequence. And uh, just, you know, again, you know, if you're talking about a band with just a lot of great songs that they could play live, this this one has always been a standout, one that remained in their, their live sets for a very long time. I think what was really special about this show in particular is that at that point uh, in 2003, I probably had already been going to local shows at least for about five years but you know i would have been gosh in 98 i would have been '98, 15 15 so you know there were so many shows that i didn't have access to up in up until i got a little older and thankfully this one was like 18 and over because i was 20 at the time and it was also like my first like one of my first shows in lawrence that wasn't just like you know seeing one of these local bands at a punk house like going to pink house and seeing nameless number Headman or in a pirate house, or halfway house, or on a kitchen, it was like you know a collection of all these great local bands uh, in a in a venue and uh, i remember i was a big laredo fan at the time shout out jeff eden you know such an excellent guitarist at the time and josh atkinson of course as a songwriter i just i just i loved laredo and so like that was a big reason why i went to the show but then i also got to see santo gold i believe Dalen horner used to be uh, in that band and that was like the one and only time that i ever got to see them but they're you know their name rang bells and local circles for a long time so just seeing those two openers is great. but i think like being able to catch the Appleseed yeah. cast really for the first time, you know, in a, in a professional venue it was just really special. And also just like kicked off a lifelong fandom for me. You know, Cowboy was fortunate to play with them a couple of times in town back in 2009. And then we went up to Omaha and played with them at the waiting room a couple of years after that. So, uh, you know, the Appleseed cast always hold a special place in my heart. And uh, Aaron and his wife, Reagan, are just really wonderful people.
1: To set here, Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusk is joining us this week, and he's picked the Appleseed Cast, their concert on September 12, 2003, as one of the concerts that changed his life. It was at the Bottleneck, and uh, I was also in the room that night. And for me, I've, I've never shied away from this. The, the Appleseed Cast are one of the greatest bands in the history of the world. Uh, the very first song I played on my very first show on the 8160 was Sunlit Ascending by the Appleseed Cast. I talked about on my show recently, one of the concerts that changed my life was the first time I saw them, which was in July, 2000. I went to see a band from Lawrence called Mates of State at The Brick wow. and the Appleseed Cast opened as well as The Anniversary did. just a phenomenal show to set me on a, a different, an interesting path. But you picked again, one of my favorite songs of all time, Steps in Numbers. And for you, you've gotten a chance to play with them, that had to have been a treat.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, for me, I mean, they were definitely like a guiding influence for, you know, what songwriting could be. I remember distinctly, too, having groups of friends that would always say things like, oh man, just like, the songs are so long. Like, so, you know, anybody who's heard Mirror Vitalis, you know, they got a couple songs, Storms is one of them that just just goes for a while. But I think they were probably the first band I encountered that made me understand like how powerful that could be, you know, to play five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes into a song and to let, you know, things loop endlessly and to gather feedback. I think that's the first time I under- I understood songs as like living organisms in a way. <laughs> Just the way that things multiply on themselves and change shape and the way that you hear them changes over time, you know, through the repetition of the loop and the feedback, and so I'm really grateful for that gift that they gave me as a listener and as a fan to, you know, understand how I could uh, apply those techniques to to my own music.
1: Um, so yeah, why don't we play? Why don't we get closer to it? We're gonna play some music from the Appleseed Cast, one of Marty Hilliard's picks of one of the concerts that changed his life, also a concert that changed mine. The song is called Steps in Numbers. Here it is. was music from the Appleseed cast. The song is called Steps in Numbers. It's one of Marty Hilliard's picks from one of the concerts that changed his life. Number one was Coldplay. Number two is Appleseed cast. Who's number three, Marty?
3: Number three is going to be uh, seeing White Rabbits, uh, December 6, 2011 at Record Bar. Again, with another great opener in uh, another great Columbia band, uh, Believers. So The, the story about this particular show is that i was really eager to go because white rabbits um, at that point in time they, they didn't come around often and it's frightening would have been out and so would have milk famous both produced by uh the same guy who does all the spoon records in austin can't remember his name it's not it's not Eno, but their engineer i was i don't know like i was just really taken with their compositions and i just wanted to see how they would unfold live i mean they they blossomed into a six piece at that point in time so just thought it'd be cool to see. I got a speeding ticket just as I reached city limits. Thankfully, uh, the, the the weather wasn't as bad, but uh, it was still very cold outside. And, you know, so paying pay like over $300 for a show was pretty pretty rough, right? Yeah, I took it on the shin. Like I, I was still eager to go and have fun and uh, caught like the last, because like the ticket I only caught like the last two songs of Believer set. And uh, and then I think they, they maybe had, I think they maybe had one other opener who was on tour with them, just like some friends of theirs. So it was pretty, pretty chill, but I don't know, uh, just something about the way that the songs off Milk Famous unfolded on stage just is really special. And and naturally, you know, because of their connection, you know, with, with the folks from Spoon, I think by the press, they got disparaged pretty regularly as, as Spoon ripoffs or, you know, also rants, like a lot of other bands were at that time, and, you know, just really spare arrangements you know, sharp cutting guitars. But I don't know, I I just think that they also had like a real underdog kind of chip on their shoulder that made seeing them and like hearing those songs in that space really special. I think they also influenced me in the way that lyrically, you know, some of the, some of the songs unfold as a matter of stasis or paranoia. And that was something that even then and still now I can relate to and something that I've tried to capture in my music. It's like, you know, you're capturing all these moments and you have so much to say about really what's just, you know, the most mundane part of your day. And I think they always did a really good job of that, like just ca- capturing the psychological effects of just living every day. So uh, being able to see them was special. Just The live chemistry that they had was wonderful. All, all the auxiliary percussion was really special. Just a great night, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they played hard. That's the kind of, you know, and I think that's also what I was impressed about was the fact that, you know, they came to Kansas City. All their friends drove in from Columbia. Um, so they had tons of friends and family there. And it's a night that they could have just, you know, slacked off and took it easy because everybody would still love them. But they just they put it all out there. It was just really great.
1: We're hanging out with Marty Hilliard and going through some of the concerts that changed his life and one on his third pick. Uh, the band is White Rabbits, originally from Columbia, Missouri. And now I believe they call Brooklyn home, or at least their marketing does. And um, Jennifer Hack, music fan in the Kansas City music community and also a former ed- editor over at Inc. Magazine under the Kansas City Star, uh, she told me a story once about this band and she went to MU and they were playing in her home. I don't know what that means, what kind of house uh, she lived in, in Columbia once. And they played so loud and so hard that they literally broke her floor. I wish I would now know more details <laughs> of this story. but only remember it in passing, But uh, Marty Hilliard's pick, White Rabbits, one of the concerts that changed his life. We're going to play the song Temporary for you as Marty's recapped the show for us. Here's music from White Rabbits. Here's a song called Temporary. music by White Rabbits. The song is called Temporary, originally from Columbia, Missouri, and now calling Brooklyn home. One of Marty Hilliard's picks is one of the concerts that changed his life. We're on pick number four. We've had uh, Appleseed Cast, Coldplay, White Rabbits, and who's our number four pick, Marty?
3: Number four is gonna be uh, Downtown Boys, August 21st of 2017 at the White Schoolhouse in North Lawrence, Kansas. So what's great about Downtown Boys is that, um, I first heard of them, I wanna say at the earliest would have been 2015. Uh, They have an album called Full Communism that was uh, making the rounds in the blogs and magazines and just reading about them was really intriguing. I think it was like a little while before I actually like sat down and listened to them. I know that like that year or like 2016, they had a real big run at South by Southwest. I got a lot of coverage. You know, what I think is special about them is that, you know, not only are they queer fronted, uh, not only do they have a Latinx membership, but they sort of bravely navigate a lot of the socioeconomic and social and racial topics that we're talking about today in 2020 and this is something that they were moving on pretty bravely back in 2015 uh, being able to not only see them but open up for them back in 2017 it was almost like you know I've, I've been really fortunate as a musician like I've been really blessed with, with so many opportunities uh, because of people like you because of people like Nathan Roosh uh, because of you know steve tulipana um, so many people in kansas city judy mills and folks in lawrence as well that i can thank for providing you know my acts with opportunities to connect with bands. but what was really special about downtown boys is when they signed us up pa, and they were touring on cost of living around 2017 it's just one of the things where it's just like i know if they come like we gotta we gotta play with them we have to connect with them we have to open up for them and so uh you know, when Land, uh, the folks in uh, Jennifer Roth, the folks who uh, run White Schoolhouse, uh, gave us that opportunity to, to play the first show at White Schoolhouse with downtown boys uh, and uh, warm bodies. It was just, you know, it just felt really special. felt really meaningful. Uh, the owner of Wonderfair, uh, Joe, uh, or I'm sorry, Paul DeGeorge and his wife, his brother Joe, plays in downtown boys as well. So being able to make that, you know, familial connection was really special. But one thing that I appreciated about them and how they changed my life is the idea of advocacy as a musician. Um, We've worked with many nonprofits. Uh, We've done lots of fundraising, connected with lots of partners. But it's a whole different thing when the people that you advocate for, like the most marginalized people, are allowed to come and share space with you on stage. And that was something that Downtown Boys did. Um, There was a trans woman, um, uh, who is uh, undergoing her transition, uh, but then also talking about the ramifications of of her life as a result of that and talking about that very candidly. Um, uh, their lead singer talked very candidly about political theory and putting it into action from the stage between the songs. And it's just one of those things where, like, you know, when you talk about uh, indie rock or, you know, even, even DIY punk and stuff that a large part of the, the audience is white, you know? And so I think it's very great it's very for, you know, someone who doesn't necessarily share that background to come and be so bold as to talk about issues of white supremacy and how, how we eradicate those in spaces where it might not always be welcome. And so that's just something I really appreciate about Downtown Boys is what they taught me in that moment, how to share space, with people, how to communicate with people, and and the song that I picked, "Dancing in the Dark," uh, by Bruce Springsteen. Again, they, like they it's something that they do so earnestly. They put so much heart into it, and I think it was also at a time like in 2017 where a lot of us were not particularly feeling joyful at that concert. But to be able to hear something so hopeful, you know, Bruce Springsteen is is one of those you know legendary artists and icons that can birth hope hope into people. And to hear them like just take it on and and crush it. uh, It just felt so good. Um, And it's something that I'll never forget.
1: Well, we're hanging out with Marty Hilliard of the Project Ebony Tusks. He's joining us via Zoom in Topeka along with his daughter, Eloise, who's quite funny. And uh, she's been lipping, mouthing the words that Marty's been saying. However, not (laughs) playing along with our Zoom interview. Thanks for joining us, Eloise. But uh, Marty Hilliard's fourth pick for one of the concerts that changed his life is the Downtown Boys, and we're gonna hear, uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, we're gonna hear their treatment of Bruce Springsteen's song called Dancing in the Dark. Here it is. from the downtown boys from providence rhode island that's their treatment of the song dancing in the dark by of course the great bruce springsteen the downtown boys is one of the concerts that changed marty hilliard's life that's his fourth pick his fifth pick on deck who we've got marty
3: we've got uh young fathers november 16th 2018 at the showbox in seattle you know there's there's so much i can say about how special this band and their music is to me. I um, had been a longtime fan of theirs from like their earliest inception. So this would have been like 2009, 2010. And that, at that point in time, they would have been more like a, with, like like what the equivalent of like hipster rap would have been at the time. So artists like Kid Cudi, or like Theophilus Slondon or, you know. Tons, you know, ton of asher off, like tons of stuff that came out at that time that was like cheeky and clever and cute, and that was kind of the vibe that they were on. And I recall I hadn't thought about them or listened to them for a couple of years. And in 2013, they signed to Anaconda. Didn't know this, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder what ever happened to Young Fathers? Like, and just like the week prior that summer, they had put out take one. And I just remember you know sitting sitting in my house with my wife, where we previously lived here in Santa Fe, and feeling like you know, like they just leaped a huge hurdle, you know, because again, before what was like so much more cheeky and clever and like trying to be cute, like they were just completely earnest, like all of the armor had come off and all of like the loss and the finesse had come down and it became something so much more raw and primitive and real. And so for me, and that's just kind of kicked off like you know seven years of just huge fandom of their band and so i was i was fortunate to be able to go see them in lincoln nebraska um at a venue that's no longer around called vega in the haymarket district and there couldn't and they had a masquisa open up which was also incredible couldn't have been more than 40 people at the show but i had come along with you know four of my friends and then less Moore was there with rachel christia so we you know all you know the 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 Kansas City area delegate made it up to Lincoln for that. And so that was a really special moment. Um, And that was when they were touring uh, Dead and White Men or Black Men too. So, you know, so fast forward, like three and a half years later, me and two other Topeka friends, we flew into Seattle and Portland to to go see them. It's just, it's just like, there's just like a feeling that, like even talking about it, I get tingles. There's nothing like seeing a band that you truly love, that resonates with you so deeply on so many levels, and being in a room with 1,100 people, (laughs) with great sound, great audio visuals, and just like the warmth and celebration that that room brought to them. And Algiers opened up for them, and they were tied to you, but just the, 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 the warmth in that room. I've seldom had like experiences, and this is partially my fault, but you know, I seldom had experiences like where I've gone to a concert that's that multiracial, that diverse, people from so many different backgrounds. And it's like I'm looking people to the left, people to the right of me. My cousin-in-law is there with me, too. And just seeing so many people connect with certain lyrics and certain words, like, they're one of the bands that when I see them you know I'm singing at the top of my lungs because it resonates so deeply uh, their, their stories and their journey but it was also like refreshing to like have this encounter with like you know over a thousand other people just being with young fathers you know and so much of what they put into their music and so much soul I was thinking about this the other day when I was putting, putting the list together is that you know if it's a band that's very soulful like regardless of like all the different sounds and textures that they bring into their music they put so much soul into it and they will be because uh, I had developed a kinship uh, with them after 2015 uh, we got to go backstage and hang out with them and one of their members KS uh, he came up to me and said Kansas boy that's awesome you know and there's just something really validating about that Uh, you know this is a band that's crisscrossed the United States at least four or five times you know in the last seven years and, and, and toured internationally for for years and to be like you know remembered and recognized in a moment like that and um, to, to feel like that kinship is a little bit mutual. It's just really special. I can't wait to see him again, God.
1: <laughs> We've been hanging out with Marty Hilliard of the Project Ebony Tusks. And he's been joining us talking about our July uh, series on the show, which is concerts that have changed your life. And you're, you've done what I was hoping would happen. And you, as a long time musician and a person who leans forward so often, you've jumped in and integrated yourself into them. You've become their friends and acquaintances. Um, You've had the Appleseed Cast, White Rabbits, Downtown Boys, Young Fathers, and it sounds like of those four bands you've had some interaction, you've opened for some of them, become friends with some of them. Unfortunately, maybe Chris Martin doesn't know who you are yet of Coldplay.
3: We're gonna work that out.
1: (laughs) So why don't we listen to some music from Young Fathers from Edinburgh, Scotland. The song you picked out from them is called In My View. Here it is.
4: Lay my belly on a woman I dance it for the la-la Tiger for the damn, the damn, the damn Fire one and foie gras That it was the same, I was sending again, send again, and then I said now
1: Scotland that was music from Young Fathers the song was called In My View that's the fifth pick from Marty Hilliard of the project Ebony Tusks and now Marty the same question I asked uh, Amy Farron last week on the show in your own personal performing what one moment or what one performance was it that you realized when you were on stage or getting ready to go on stage this is what I want to do I want to be a performer I want to make art and share it with people
3: so, so I'll try to I'll try to give two brief examples. Um, the first one would be June of 1998. Again, I would have been 15 years old at the time. There's a church down the street from where I live, uh, just within shouting distance, uh, called First Church of the Nazarene. Um, folks raised me in the church, and so a lot of cultural and social experiences I was having was through that lens. Um, at that point in time, you know, my brother and I, we had a Christian rap group uh, when I was in middle school, and I was starting to connect with other Artists, musicians at my high school as a freshman. And I just remember that summer, like seeing a, a poster with like 10 bands on it. Cause there was a coffee house called Icthus, just to the south of First Church of the Nazarene in a house that, you know, they, they would have concerts, but then they also had posters and stuff. And so I saw it and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to that. And I remember going to that and I realized, okay, like these are bands that I've never seen. Oh, that band's from Colorado. Oh, that band's from Nebraska. Oh, that band's from Oklahoma. And then the headlining band uh, was a band called Advocate. And uh, the the, the front man, a gentleman named Carlos Velez, uh, he's been my friend ever since. And our buddy Adam Brewer, same thing. Okay, so not only were they the headlining band, but Carlos actually like emailed and called these bands and brought them in from out of state. There were volunteers there that were our age, taking tickets, vending food and popcorn and soda. And I think you know, even though I had been like part of like lots of ministry related types of performances and concerts, that was the first time where I realized like, oh, like these guys are in high school. Like they, they were only a year older than me. And I was like, if they can do this, like I can do this. And so for me, that was like tremendous in my development. I remember getting a copy of their CD and it had their email address on it. It had Carlos's number and I asked him if I could be in his band. And they knew that I wasn't a great musician at the time. <laughs> And not not to say that they were much better, but they were definitely like more developed and they they, they laughed it off uh, for a little while. But I just kept coming around and getting to know them better. And then we all went on to form a cluster of of bands, you know, like three or four bands between us um, with all the same members. And that just sort of set me off on my journey of DIY. You know, I went to shows with them at New Earth House. And um, I know that they went to G Coffee in Leavenworth and they went to Yahweh Coffeehouse in Kansas City as well. But I spent so much time between like 98 and 2004 going to see shows at New Earth. And that really conceived my love of not only seeing live music, but this idea that like, I can be a part of this. You know, that's where I met Nathan Roosh. Uh, that's where I met Kevin Eshelman, R.I.P. That's where I met, you know, the folks that went on to, you know, start Golden Republic and Republic Tigers and Soft Reads and all that. You know, that's that's where all these kinships were forming. And it's just so surreal. You know, that all started with like a couple of years prior, just like hanging out in the church and like watching a band play like really bad hardcore music. <laughs> we're
1: hanging out with Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusks. And he shared with us five concerts that have changed his life. And he's just told us one of the stories about one of the moments when he realized he wanted to do this for a path, a career, a life, a lifestyle. What's the other short story you wanted to share there?
3: Oh yeah, the only, the only thing too was that. You know, I was I was lucky to go to a high school that was sort of like steeped in music and creativity. So just down the street from First Church to the Nazarene is Topeka High School, um, celebrating their 150th year. I sit, I sit on the historical society board these days. It's super cool because I was really I was really lucky to have like so much creativity around me and to have people who loved hip hop culture and people who love ska and people who love punk and this is also at a point in time where I would have met my wife you know years before you know we ever were in a relationship because in Topeka we were also putting on shows multi-genre shows and I had like a hip-hop band called The Original uh, that was sort of like a cross between my incubus and my roots (laughs) and uh you know so for so from 98 to 2000 I mean that's what I was getting into me and my four friends were getting together and making music on a regular basis and any any talent show we could be in any little block party or clubhouse that we could play in in Topeka you know we we were there and you know it's it's how I developed like so many of my relationships with not only fellow musicians but also like family friends after all these years you know people that I'm still clicked up with uh, because we're all able to share space together
1: so in addition to the concerts you picked out, you sent several, several honorable mentions uh, trying to fit it all in an hour. And I get to yeah. edit all this and try and fit our hour long interview in with 35 minutes of music. Right,
3: but, uh, right, right, right. Let me, hold, hold on real quick. Just let me, let me share this and you go can for cut it out if you need to, right? Okay. So like, um, you know, and that, that also doesn't include annual notice by the trail of dead and explosions in the sky. You know, that's, and it's like me and my buddy Adam, we had never seen or heard of explosions in the sky. And then me and my buddy Carlos, we went and saw them a couple years later. And then I saw them as recently as last year. And, uh, you know, just another formative band that sort of, just like the Apple Sea cast, sort of transformed the way I thought about, like, how music could be written and performed. Uh, you know, seeing the Blood Brothers is uh, just one of the most, like, visceral, experiences that I've ever had, seeing them multiple times in different venues. And just like, there's no let up.
1: Sometimes an interview goes so well that it becomes a conversation that stretches on for about another hour. And that's what happened with this interview with Marty Hilliard. I wanted to thank Marty, uh, especially thank him for hanging out with us this week here on the 8160, sharing with us some of his, the concerts that changed his life. And I'm excited to get to do this two more times with you. We'll get to do it next week with Isaac Flynn of the band Hembry. And then following that, uh, July 28th with Addie Sartino of the Greeting Committee. And then the first Tuesday in August, I'll spill my guts and share my uh, concerts that changed my life too. But I want to end this episode with music from Ebony Tusks, the project of Marty Hilliard and a couple other fellas uh, always putting down incredible beats and inspired lyrics. This is Chuck D's. It's the video mix. Uh, they put out a video of this last week. You should check it out on YouTube. Here's Ebony Tusks. With Chuck D's. Thanks, everybody. Curtis Jackson, the Curtis Monica, paramedics response to impairment born of intoxicants and lack of oxygen. Nothing
0: small cartons, and liser just fresh up off the mountain and sliding toward apocalypse. Oh, you think like a cool, some mighty occupant staring directly at you through booted sets of binoculars. Keep it going that then be forced to acknowledge it, nodding off to a shark with the chalk with the mobile confidence, huh? <laughs> hey My whole team doing My Snow Creek on the cover All day shut on the corner You did it, I done it, you got it, I
4: wanted it. it! My whole team about to SHUT My My ON THE corner. All day Snow
0: Creek on the cover You did it, I done it, you got it, I wanted it!